Did you think I left you? Did you think I'd never be back? Did you think Logic and Larry had taken a permanent hiatus into oblivion? Well, none of that is true. Your host, Larry Kay, is back with another episode of the Logic and Larry podcast. I know I've been busy. I haven't been around as much. I'll tell you why. But first, I got to tell you that everything I say in this podcast is strictly my own personal opinion. As a private citizen, nothing I say is official legal advice. Nothing I say is made in an official capacity in any way, shape, or form. Nothing I say reflects the opinion or position of any other person or any other entity. This is just me talking to you as a private individual to private individuals out there for entertainment. Now, I haven't been around, guys, I'll admit. The show's been on a, a long hiatus since before Christmas time, before the new year, before this kind of boring winter we had in the Northeast. And I'm broadcasting to you looking at the New York City skyline glistening, the Newark downtown skyline. A bright and a glow, rain falling down on my window. I haven't been talking to you guys because, number one, I've been very, very busy. That's just a fact. I've been very busy. A lot going on in personal life. A lot going on with these other podcasts I run, these sports podcasts. My writing for The New Worker, and by the way, The New Worker will be out April 1st, this coming Saturday. Please check it out. I have two pieces that I'm quite proud of in The New Worker. Um, as well as my buddy Gary has another one, and of course, Justin and all the other great people at the Newarker have a lot of pieces coming out, so check it out. But I've been doing that, I've been working hard, I've been trying to mix this album, and by the way, this album is being mixed great. It's making a lot of headway. Remember, 50 tracks, it's a lot. I've been getting people to come in and record their collabs, their, their verses for collaborations, and I've been working hard on mixing. Um, that's part of the reason, right? What's the other reason why I haven't really been on the air and I haven't been talking to you guys that much? Well, I just feel like, look, no matter how much I talk, no matter how much we sit and discuss things on this show, no matter how logical, no matter how practical, no matter how intellectually honest we are, no matter how unbiased we are, I feel like there are just a few of us standing on the shore screaming into the ocean as a massive tsunami is barreling toward us, which is the collective anti-intellectualism, the collective narrative consumption, the collective ridiculous echo chambers, the collective aversion to objectivity and balanced thought. That is what that tidal wave, that tsunami is, that exists in this society, that we can scream and talk and speak as much as we'd like, but we cannot penetrate it, and we have no hope of averting it from the shore. We have no hope of praying that it does not crash into us and wash us away into the abyss. And I feel that that is just the nature of things, and that is how things are going to be. And so I feel like this show, while cathartic for me, hopefully cathartic for you, hopefully it grows and continues to gain new listeners and new followers. Hopefully it just makes an impact on your day. Either way, I'll do it. But I just felt that there's a bit of a fruitless nature to it with the society that we currently live in. And that's part of the problem. 
Nonetheless, I'm here. And I wanted to address, we have another, yet another, school shooting. And I, how many times have I railed against these issues? How many times have I spoken about what could be done, about what we should do, about what we could do? Even if I don't have all the answers, which, let me, in, let, me let you in on something, I don't. Even if I had the answers, even if I didn't have the answers. We have paid professionals. Paid professionals whose job it is whose job it is to find the solutions, to collaborate on solutions. Those people are called our elected representatives at the state level, the county level, the national level. Those people are supposed to be tasked with solving problems. Solving problems via legislation. Solving problems. But they these days are so not concerned with solving problems. They are so much more concerned with posturing for the national media and making hollow legislative decisions that virtue signal or anti-virtue signal so that they can get up on some podium somewhere, at some event somewhere, at some rally, quote-unquote, somewhere, and pontificate about all the things they've done in the culture wars. They've devolved into showmen and showwomen. They have no desire, it seems, by and large, to actually sit down and solve our problems like school shootings, which is a huge problem. Amusingly, this came to a head this week. I don't know if anybody saw this story, but it's, it's hilarious. It really is. That the state of Wyoming, in 2012, the state of Wyoming, in an attempt to signal and to posture... And in the spirit of political theater, the state of Wyoming passed a law that said the state and government had to stay out of people's health care decisions, that people were free to make their own health care decisions. The reason they passed that law in Wyoming was because of Obamacare, right? Because remember when all the nonsense was going on around about Obamacare, that Obamacare was going to have, you know, death panels and they were going to make you do certain things with your health care and et cetera, et cetera. Well, in a hollow gesture, the Wyoming government passed, I think it was an actual constitutional amendment or at least a legislative, I think it was, or a legislative amendment, some, some kind of action in Wyoming that guaranteed the citizens of Wyoming, guaranteed the citizens of Wyoming freedom and their health care choices. Well, guess what? Now that abortion is free to be made illegal in whatever state deems it illegal, Wyoming is having a heck of a problem making abortion illegal since they've guaranteed the right to people to make their health care decisions free of government regulation in a lot of ways. So now Wyoming, because they did that hollow, absolute, ridiculous gesture to thumb their nose at Obamacare, which meant nothing, even though I'm sure tons of people in Wyoming are on Obamacare because it meant nothing... Now they can't ban abortion. It serves them right because when you act ridiculous and you act like a fool and you play games with your position like a fool, you get foolish prizes and karma comes back and bites you right where it should bite you. And so I'm glad that Wyoming and those people there have run into this problem. It serves them right and good for the citizens of Wyoming that they're allowed to have free, uh, that they're allowed to have necessary, free to have necessary 
abortions when they choose to do so within reason. And I'm sorry that I'm stumbling a bit and I'm not as smooth and eloquent as normal. It's been a little while since I've been on the mic, isn't it? It's been a little while. But I'll find my footing fast enough. So unfortunately today there was another school shooting, this time in Nashville. And the shooting took place um, at a Christian school. Christian private school called the Covenant School. The shooting was perpetrated by a 28-year-old woman who identifies. That's how the news is putting it. The news is saying that the shooter identifies as a trans man. So it's a biological woman identifying as a trans man. Unfortunately and sadly, six people were killed in the shooting, and then the shooter herself was killed by police. Six, I mean, three children who were all nine years old, and then three adults, a 61-year-old, two 61-year-olds, and a 60-year-old. So three adults and three children were killed in another school shooting. Kids are not safe in this country to go to school. Now, most times I tell you that the common thread is that it's somebody with a suicidal death wish who is unhappy in their life, who is isolated and has easy access to guns. Now, we don't know right now whether this individual had easy access to guns, although we are sure that she was armed with two rifles, I believe, plus other guns. We know that she had done reconnaissance before on this school and had cased the school and planned this. In fact, she was a former student at the school. So that is sad. Police this time, unlike in Texas, actually killed the shooter. We will find out how she got the guns. We will find out how easy it was. But the fact that, once again, little innocent children under the age of 10, little grade school children are being slaughtered in this country by immensely powerful firearms is probably a problem that maybe we should address instead of sitting around saying thoughts and prayers and nothing we can do. We need more good guys with guns or whatever other nonsense you want to put forth. But equally as interesting is we have to understand the profile of this particular shooter. We have to see if my analysis holds weight. Now, I had usually said that it was males, males who committed these acts. But this is a biological female. But what I find interesting about this story, and I I challenge you to watch the news coverage of this and the media coverage, because what do I always say? I always say that the shooters have a common thread regardless of who they are. But I tell you that the media and politicians cherry pick and pick and choose which traits of the shooters they want to use for their own political agendas, right? If it's a cisgendered white male and the victims were predominantly of another race, even if that that male said that they subscribe to some type of supremacist ideology, then, you know, Trumpism is to blame, racism is to blame, white supremacist America is to blame. If it's an Islamic shooter who proclaims that Islam motivated them, then the right-wingers and the Trumpies and the xenophobes come out, and the xenophobes tell us that, you know, Islam is the problem, and uh, that needs to be stopped and quelled, and we're taking it, you know, Islamic extremism too lightly. If somebody who was a recent migrant or immigrant pulls the trigger, then immigration and border security is the problem. Do you see the common threads, right? So now we have somebody who's clearly a disturbed individual. 
they are a trans individual. Now, it's interesting because the left-leaning media and left-leaning personalities normally say, well, whatever you decide your gender identity is, that is what you are, right? So if you want to be identified as they, then you are they, and no one can challenge you about being a they. If you say you are a biological male, but you identify as a woman, you will be called she, and no one's going to question what you are and what you will be called, right? So why is it that this particular shooter... This particular shooter, named Audrey Hale, by the way, Audrey Hale is her name. Why is it that this particular shooter in this case, in various media media reports, continues to be referred to as she and her? And they're not saying that that it's he was a trans male, he, and just taking his word for what he is. They are saying that she identified not as a male, but that she identified as trans. What is the subliminal messaging in that media reporting? What can you glean from how they are reporting this? Well, you can glean that they don't want to say that this was a trans person. Right? Because not that if it was a trans person, it wouldn't say anything negative about trans people in general. Aren't we supposed to not generalize people? Just like if it was a white shooter, it shouldn't say something about white people in general. If it was a black shooter, it shouldn't say something about black people in general. If it was a male shooter, it shouldn't say something about men in general, right? But, but the left-leaning media and left-leaning thinkers seem to not practice what they preach, and we know that they do generalize, just like the right generalizes when they generalize Islamic people or other people. And you know the right is going to generalize this shooter as somebody who's anti-Christian, since the right in this country has some mythological belief that Christians are somehow being persecuted day in and day out, even though that's a farce. So, of course, I understand the pushback, the preemptive pushback, but let's be real here. This was somebody who's self-identifying as a male, even though she's a biological female. So left-leaning media publications should not be trying to separate her from the trans community by saying she identified as trans, but we're still calling her she and she's a woman because we don't want to give her the credence to acknowledge what her self-proclaimed identity is. Just really interesting. Because you're going to see certain publications and media outlets and talking heads trying to find a way to make this shooter not an actual trans person. Now, there might be some merit to that, right? Because perhaps not everybody who says that they identify as something actually is. There are legitimate transsexual people in this country, in this world, who legitimately feel that they are the opposite biological sex and actually have that dysphoria, actually have that inclination mentally. But perhaps not everybody who says they want to be addressed as a certain pronoun or not everybody who says they are transsexual or not everybody who says things should always be taken right at their word. Maybe some people need further discussion. Either way, this horrible and tragic incident happened today, and I would bet you that the guns were obtained rather easily through rather easy channels because that is how this country functions, especially in areas like Tennessee. Guns are abound. Guns are everywhere. And it's a real problem. I don't have a problem with the firearm itself. 
Let me clarify that. But I do have a problem with how easy it is to access guns. And we've recently passed some bills in Congress that President Biden did sign into law that somewhat close some loopholes in gun purchasing abilities amongst the populace. But it's still not enough. Our mental health treatment in this country is still not enough. The way we conduct and engage in law enforcement, the way we even have discussions about how we will operate in law enforcement to thwart these type of things, the way that law enforcement is not as proactive as they should be. These are all problems, and I'm not claiming to have the solutions, but the fact that our politicians will continue to cherry pick I'm sure you will hear people say good guys with guns. I'm sure you'll hear liberals talk about guns and the type of guns, but not talk about the unstable individual who was involved. I'm sure conservatives will try to say that there's anti-Christian sentiment and that there's some problem with these, you know, disenchanted youth because of gender identity. And they'll try to blame wokeism and all these other nonsensical things. They will all have their pontification. They will all take a slice of the pie and morph it into whatever they can for their self-serving, greedy purposes to try to get their followers and their constituents on board with what they're doing and they'll continue to do that but we will not get any solutions because we never get any solutions because we do not demand anything of our elected leaders we just follow them around and root for them like they're a sports team and we identify culturally with their given side of things and it's where to blame for letting them get so out of hand where to blame for it it's our fault but will we change again there's that tidal wave Again, there's that tidal wave, and I'm just not sure we will. And I just don't have faith that we will. That's just a fact. You know what's interesting regarding this, and I'm not trying to get off the shooting subject too quickly, but what else can I say? I've said it all on this podcast. It's well documented. What else can I talk about? About shootings and mental health and internet personas and people who are isolated and who are problems pulling the trigger and taking the lives of innocents and our society being too well and good with it. What else can I say? Speaking of accountability, in France, they've recently proposed to change the retirement age from 62 to 64. And let me tell you something, the French are not having it. The French are in the streets going crazy, rioting, burning things, fighting police officers, overturning things, going ballistic because they want to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. In this country, I'm not going to be able to be on government benefits as an old person until I'm 67. And that's if I'm lucky enough to even halfway retire at 67. If I'm not still working because I'm going to be broke and have no life savings, no equity in a house because I don't even own a house right now, even though I'm damn near 40. And I'm still paying off six-figure debt in college loans. But these people in France are going nuts over 62 to 64. And there's two ways to look at this. So number one, you guys know me. I don't condone violence. I don't condone rioting. I never do. Never did. Never will. Not happening. Don't condone it, period. But it's an interesting thing in France right now what's going on. It's really an interesting thing in France what's going on right now. Because you can look at it like some Americans are, which is, ha, 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 look at these French babies, you know. We bust our ass even worse. We work even longer into life with even less government benefits or public benefits. We are already well beyond 64. Hey, 62 is a good deal. 64 is still a good deal. What are they crying about? A lot of people are saying that. But here's the counter to that. 
The counter to that is that the French people, people in France are saying, no, 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 if I give you an arm, you're going to want a leg. If I give you an inch, you're going to want a mile. You are my government and you work for me and your will is the will of the people. And therefore, if we let you change the retirement age from 62 to 64 and we don't do anything about it, we are essentially sending the message that you can do whatever you want when you please and you will not have to answer to us nor face the consequences of our wrath and our accountability. And that's an interesting way to look at what's happening in France right now, right? That's an interesting way to look at it. Imagine if people were so outraged by school shootings that they took to the streets, that they didn't show up to their jobs, that they didn't do certain things that that the public counted on, that the government counted on, that they said, we will not do anything. We will be out here protesting until you take legitimate action on guns or on school safety or on mental issues, whatever the case may be, you can put it in anything, infrastructure, jobs, shootings, violence, crime. Imagine if we took to the streets in that way. And I don't mean take to the streets in a political furor like they did in January 6th because of some misguided, nonsensical belief that the election was stolen because some fascist said it was and I'm not talking about burning down cities and torching cars and torching small businesses because of a shooting in Wisconsin that was misreported on from the very beginning where people have legitimate reasons to look at those protesting and say what the hell are you doing I'm not talking about that I'm talking about objective issues where the government is going against the will of the people collectively and the people have had it and the people demand accountability. You see, I don't know the ins and outs of France's budget. I don't know why France is gonna need to raise the retirement age by two years because of budgetary shortfalls. What if it was the problem of the French politicians themselves? What if they mismanaged the money? What if even though they didn't mismanage the money, but economic woes from COVID caused the problem, But they failed to rectify the situation two years ago, three years ago. They knew the retirement age was 62. They knew that they were going to have a budget shortfall come 2023. Why didn't they make the necessary adjustments to avert the budgetary downfall? I don't know the answers, and I'd be interested in hearing them. So I don't proclaim to know who's right or who's wrong. I just find the conversation to be interesting, right? It's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting conversation. The French people are holding their government accountable for the slightest of things, raising the retirement age from 62 to 64, right or wrong, the way they're doing it, right or wrong. And again, I'm 100% against rioting, 100% against that. But protesting, this is a free country if we have the First Amendment. It's just interesting that the people of France are seriously doing things to hold their government accountable. And in a really, really scary time for this world, right? You have Putin meeting with Xi, and you have China and Russia making deals. You have Russia saying that they're going to move nuclear weapons into Belarus. Right 
over the border of Ukraine as Ukraine continues. By the way, Ukraine continues to kick Russia's frickin' ass. Ukraine continues to push Russia out of even the east. The Russians are not making any progress even in the east right now. Ukraine is just really, really doing its thing. Ukraine is really, really working hard right now and really doing its thing. And it's, it's a good thing to see, but you have Putin getting more and more aggressive, right? You have the Chinese making deals with Putin, allowing him to be aggressive, you know, co-signing his aggression. You have Donald Trump in this country who incited an insurrection, is under investigation in at least three jurisdictions, probably has pending indictments for legitimate crimes that he committed on the horizon, and yet he's a presidential candidate who is holding rallies in Waco, Texas, and getting large crowds, and is soliciting donations, and still has people out here holding up Trump 2024 flags, saying Trump 2024, even though he tried to overthrow the United States government when he lost an election. This is the age in 2023, and I don't know what it is with human beings. Again, it's that tidal wave. Again, it's that tsunami that's coming at us that we are, I'm sorry to say, basically, aside from our words and our actions as best we can collectively, we are so small on this podcast. I don't know what we can do. We are staring at a tidal wave and tsunami of humanity that just does not want to be reasonable. Humans, for some reason, are inclined inclined toward authoritarianism they are inclined toward being told what's what they are inclined towards fascism it seems right now or communism one or the other and right now we are in a a global crisis of sorts with those things happening and in israel i don't know if you've been following this but benjamin netanyahu Benjamin Netanyahu, who's traditionally that hardliner who's for the settlements uh, of in, in territories that Palestinians view as encroaching on their lands, that is a hardliner with the Palestinian people, who is an Israeli hardliner, a right-winger. He's under investigation for corruption. He's been in and out of the prime minister's chair over and over throughout the years. He is once again, I don't know how it happened. It's, it's frustrating to those of us who like reason and don't like hardliners and don't want fascists, but he's back in power again in Israel. And he's now pushing this ridiculous legislation that would severely neuter the judiciary in Israel. And Israel, if you don't know, is a free country. It's a democracy who holds their Western-style democracy in high esteem and takes it very seriously. Netanyahu and his right wing, this is the most right wing government that Israel has had in my lifetime that I can remember, by the way. Israel and Netanyahu are pushing this legislation that would allow a simple majority of parliament, a simple majority to overturn judicial decisions, a simple majority to overturn judicial decisions. That makes it harder for people to become judges without the approval of this right wing government. That essentially neuters the crap out of the judiciary and empowers the right-wing government. In fact, the Israeli defense minister, a highly respected individual, recently came out against this legislation. And as a penalty for coming out against this legislation, he was fired and stripped of his title and his duties. And Netanyahu is under investigation. He's under investigation, and if he neuters the judiciary, he may may be able to overturn his own case and overturn decisions made against him. This is textbook fascism. Textbook fascism rising in Israel. 
textbook fascism rising in Israel. And you know who Netanyahu's buddy is? Trump. And you know Trump and kind of has an affiliate, you know, really an infatuation with Putin. I mean, all these fascist types really romance each other from afar, don't they? But in Israel, talking about people holding their governments accountable, there have been mass protests, mass protests against this legislation. Reservists, military reservists in Israel have refused to show up for duty, have refused to report to work. Other important people with important titles have flat out refused to do their jobs, which is causing an extreme strain on the Israeli government. And for good reason. Netanyahu has recently delayed the passage of this legislation due to the protests, due to the people holding their government accountable. Now, who knows how this will turn up? At the end of the day, Netanyahu was once again put into parliament. The right-wing coalition is once again put in there. So there's obviously enough Israelis that support these hardliners that they could even be there in the first place. On the other hand, there's enough Israelis protesting it and enough Israelis taking a stand that they're not able to barrel through, at least for the moment, their ridiculous far-right-wing hardliner fascist-esque agenda. And I applaud those Israelis, and I hope they stop Netanyahu from his madness, and I hope Netanyahu gets the hell out of the prime minister's seat, and I hope Netanyahu is held accountable if he's guilty of these crimes that he's been charged with and that he's being investigated for. But again, we live in this world where human beings just don't want to look at objectivity. They don't want to accept anything. They just have their team, their guy, their people, their side. And they just want to stick to it. It's all they care about. And we are in a dangerous time right now. A very dangerous time. Where reason and logic are taking a back seat to emotion and complete disarray. Where everybody is entitled to their own reality. And anybody can just say, well, I live in this reality and I choose to live in this reality and you cannot knock me away from this reality and nothing you say will ever make me doubt this reality. And your reality is not only false, but your reality is the enemy. Your reality is morally reprehensible. Your reality should be stricken from the earth. And my reality is the only reality that makes sense and is good, even though nobody's reality that I've seen for the most part is actual reality. They're all living in a selective reality of their own choosing and their own creation. And we have leaders politically and internationally and in the media and in academia and all around us in prominent positions who feed into this, who advocate for this, who help to proliferate this belief in somebody's own reality. Why? Because it's a conspiracy? No. Because they want to divide and conquer? No. But because they are very basic, self-interested, greedy people who are short-sighted. That's something people have to understand, right? 
When you talk about somebody like Donald Trump, when you talk about Netanyahu, when you talk about politicians in whatever district representing this or that, saying this or that, grandstanding, you know, engaging in political theater, when you talk about media figures downplaying certain aspects of stories and, you know, bolstering other aspects of stories. Just like the, I told you, the, the transgender inmates in the New Jersey jail. Transgender inmates, it was seen as a big, big step forward in the media that, you know, trans inmates, if they, if they self-identified as trans female, they could go serve their time in the female prison. Because again, self-identification is everything. Why doubt it? Well, a bunch of female inmates in a New Jersey correctional facility for women are now pregnant or were pregnant recently because of these trans inmates. But no one in the media, of most of the media, has not reported on it because they just don't want to don't want to talk about it because it doesn't fit the agenda they want to push. And again, I have no problem with trans people. And if you're a trans inmate, you should probably have your own section in your own prison for trans people. I don't think trans people should serve time in the men's prison or the women's prison. How about that? But that reality is not allowed because everybody only has their own reality and their own realities are painted into corners. And that's that. But these ideas about these grand conspiracies, as if these self-motivated politicians and media heads and other figures are part of some grand operation or have some grand sacred ideology, is giving them too much credit. These people don't have any grand cause. These people are just very, very basic, very easy to figure out, not that impressive as people. Because you know what motivates them? It has nothing to do with grand ideologies or grand causes. It has zero to do with that. You know what it has to do with? All it has to do with is self-interest. Greed at a basic level. They are just the same as any other scavenging creature. They just want as many crumbs for themselves as they can get their hands on. They just want to do as much as they can for personal gain. It has nothing to do with grand conspiracies or grand ideologies. It's all just self-serving. Just like former war hawk Republicans are all of a sudden now against the war in Ukraine and all they say is, I don't want war. I don't want to go to war. How dare we send soldiers to war? I never go to war. I don't like war. These are the same people that 10, 15 years ago are gun-toting patriots. They're gun-toting patriots right now, so they say. Some of them military background, some of them send their kids to the military, they got guns, they got tattoos of bald eagles. 15 years ago, they were like, I don't care who messes with America, we go to war in America. Liberals are scared of war, I ain't scared of war, sometimes you gotta go to war. Now all of a sudden these people are anti-war? And it's the same reason why any self-identifying liberal who was always against war is all of a sudden supporting the war. Because it works for them. It works for them in the moment. They don't really care. They don't have any actual belief system. They just do whatever works for them in the moment because all they care about is getting more crumbs, getting more votes, getting more money, getting more notoriety, being more popular. They don't ascribe to anything. They're hollow. That's why we can't get any results from them. And our gerrymandered districts and absurd political dialogue machines that have people gives them gives people their own reality whenever they choose to dive into it protects these people and their hollow nonsense and their bs it protects them
So we live in a society where this wave, this tsunami is just gaining more and more strength because everything we do feeds into these people, but it's not because there's some powerful collective that have formed this tsunami. They're just a bunch of greedy, individually, small-minded, short-sightedly motivated people that have collectively, unbeknownst to even them, formed this tsunami which threatens to undertake us all into the undertow and drown us. They don't even know they're doing it. They don't care either. But if we don't hold them accountable, just in day-to-day conversation, you don't have to go take to the street. How about in your day-to-day conversation and dialogue, you denounce some of the partisan nonsense you're being fed? How about you just get intellectually honest? When you want to gloss over a certain aspect of a story because it doesn't jive with what you've been arguing for the last 10 years with your family and crazy uncle and whoever else about it, how about rather than glossing over it or rather than viciously searching for something that gives you your confirmation bias, makes you feel at ease when you go to sleep, how about you embrace the discomfort of a detail of a story or an aspect of a, of a legislative you know, proposal or some other thing? or a study that negates what you believe to be the righteous thing or the reality that you see that negates what you hoped would be true. How about you embrace that discomfort and you embrace the ambiguity and you embrace the nuance and the fact that nobody is always right 100% of the time. If you even do that just in your personal life, in your own mind to start, just in your own mind to start, That is one step in the path towards averting this tsunami. That is the first minuscule step, but it's still an important step. Even if you do that in your own mind, just to start, the next step is talking to others about it. The next step is calling out the nonsense on both sides, whenever it appears. The next step is listening to somebody when they have a valid concern about a belief or a narrative that you are verbalizing. That's the next step. And that takes a lot of work and it takes a collective movement, a movement far larger than anything I can proliferate, anything that I can start. But let's start small. Let's just start by embracing some of the things that aren't comfortable to us. Because if we keep feeding into this out of control tsunami that with a mind of its own, we are doomed. We are doomed. And maybe this podcast seemed like a a ramble. Maybe this podcast seemed like an out-of-control soliloquy where the train was on the tracks a little bit to start, but then the conductor bailed out, the steam's burning through, and it's on a runaway track to nowhere, maybe headed off a cliff. I don't know. But I thought it was important to let you know I'm still out here. Logic and Larry lives on. Logic and Larry will continue to live on. Because Logic and Larry is just the manifestation on a, on a radio show of a collective consciousness and the ability of human beings to be rational, to be logical, to be objective. I'm simply giving a voice to a collective reality that does exist inside of every one of us as individuals. Now, I may be back on a, on a weekly schedule, a bi-weekly schedule. I may do this monthly. I may have a regular schedule to these shows. I may keep them largely pre-recorded for right now and then do a live show every now and then. 
I may go to a pre-recorded format for the time being and then switch to consistently live shows again. I'm not sure how this show is going to proceed, but the show is going to proceed. And in times where things are going on a bit more with the news and politics, this show will be more consistent and there will be live shows and there will be guests and there will be interviews and there will be new episodes coming out. I just don't know what that's going to look like quite yet. But stay tuned because it will continue to happen. Episodes will continue to be released. Logic and Larry will continue to be a thing. And I hope that you will all continue to join me on Logic and Larry. Now, I wanted to thank John Coltrane, the late, great John Coltrane. This is the first Meditations album from 1977, a 1977 recording of First Meditations from John Coltrane was the soundtrack with us tonight. My mind, as it runs crazy all throughout the day, I was picking up news stories. I still listen to the news all the time, even though I try not to engage with it so much these days or engage on Facebook and whatnot because it just gets so out of control and it's so so hard to keep up and it's it intrudes on my sanity when I try too hard to engage and to get too into the news. So that's why I've been trying to avoid it just a little bit. But I'm watching and I'm listening. And I'm seeing, and I see you guys still engaging in the things we talk about with rational conversation. And I still see the news proliferating, and I'm still proud of that. And I still love this earth that we live in, and I still love many of the people in this society. I just want us to do better. I just want us to do better. But guys, this has been another episode of Logic and Larry. I hope you enjoy it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Get the word out there. And until I talk to you again, and I will talk to you again, have a great week, stay productive, stay open-minded, and stay objective. That's all for me. Good night.